This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered. Today we're going to have Fran Reardon, the great Dave Stewart, and Shooty Babbitt, legendary scout and also does television with Dave on NBC Sports California. But we'll start with Fran Reardon. We always joke, the manager of the greatest offense of all time. Here is the AAA manager for the Las Vegas Aviators, Fran Reardon. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's the 2019 PCL Manager of the Year, Fran Reardon. Fran, 2019 seems like forever ago. Yeah, it's it seems like a lot longer than, uh, you know, 18 months ago, but uh, I know a lot of guys have waited a long time to start the season, and, and here we go. We open up in two days here in Las Vegas. How excited are you, your staff, your team to finally, as you mentioned, 18 months and to finally get back on the field? Well, I, I, you, you can't overstate the excitement. You know, we, we've had 18 months, and that the 18 months has seemed like an eternity. You know, we've had two alternate sites in there, half a spring training last year. Um, a full spring training this year and you know now we're in las vegas the guys are ready to go chomping at the bit just the fact that we're going to have competitive baseball and the games are going to mean mean something and the the fans are going to come out it's just a very exciting time and uh to a man players coaches front office fans everyone's very excited and i gotta think your fan base is excited you guys do great in attendance and I guess you're going to be at 50% capacity. I'm sure all those uh, aviator fans are chomping at the bit to get come back to the ballpark. Well, you know, we had a special year in 2019. Um, you know, we packed the house every every night. There's between 10 and 12,000 people here. They supported us. We had a very good team. We were entertaining. We hit a lot of home runs. We were We were exciting. And the fans really rallied around our ball club, opening up the new stadium and, and just – just all aspects of it was so special. And then to, to not have a season last year, uh, I think really kind of hurt the momentum of what, what's going on here in Las Vegas. But to, to be able to play again, I think the fans are going to, you know, just come out and drove just to, to get behind this ball club and, and baseball in Las Vegas. Well, and let's be honest about your offense. We, we joked with you in 2019 that you're the manager of the greatest offensive team the game has ever seen. I mean, your offense was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it was. It was just good hitting, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what spot in the lineup came up. There was there was opportunity for damage in, in, in all all lineup spots, and and like we've talked about before, we hit over 250 home runs that year, broke the Las Vegas home run record by probably 60, and it, it was just a really fun 
brand of baseball that the fans really loved, and it was a very special offensive team that year. What do you think some of these players really learned about themselves at the alternate site, whether it was San Jose or Stockton? Well, I, I think that's player dependent. I mean, everyone's different, and every player got something different out of the alternate sites. But I, I think you learned that you were you were fortunate to be invited to the alternate site. A lot of great players were sitting at home last year when we were in San Jose. Uh, there are a lot of great players in our organization that didn't get an opportunity this year at the alternate site. And I think the guys appreciated that, understood it, and then they took that in, into their work accordingly where they, you know, whether they were competing against another team or not, they did their work and they tried to get better with, with some urgency. And that's really the only way to get better if you don't have a season, which was the case last year. And I think our guys did a great job of that. And, and I think a lot of guys got quite a bit better. And for you guys, I, I mean, you guys are teachers at heart. I talk to Bob Melvin about this all the time, you know. Everybody just thinks about winning baseball games, but you guys are coaches, you're teachers. What was that like for you and the staff at the alternate site? Well, each one was different. We had a lot of young guys at our alternate site last year. Um, it was a, a huge mix of age from anywhere from 18 to, to 34. And, you know, the younger guys were soaking in as much as they could from the older veteran type players. This year's alternate site was a little bit different where it was more, triple-A roster ready and guys that you know had an opportunity immediately to go help the major league club so the, the, the all sides were a little bit different but at the same time you know everyone needs to get better and this this holds true for every minor leaguer every major leaguer and the same things that Bob Melvin talks about teaching and, and helping guys become the best version of themselves applies at the alternate site applies in triple-A applies to all levels of the minor league so it, it was an opportunity to have a lot more one-on-one -on -one time to talk about players' individual strengths and places where they need to improve and, you know, just kind of matching up their work with who they wanted to become as players to become productive major leaguers. And I know you have to mix it up and have some fun, and I'm a member out at Cinnabar Hills, and I know you guys showed up there a few times because uh, they would tell me, hey, your guys were here yesterday, so you got a little golf in. I mean, you had to make it some fun too, right? Oh, yeah, and, and golf was a huge part of that because that was one of the only approved activities that we could do and, and do together in a safe way following the protocols. And I tell you what, Cinnabar Hills is one of my favorite tracks. We wore that place out. And, uh, you know, we, we, had, we had four scrambles that we would have maybe once every 10 days and we'd go out there, you know, players and staff, and we, we would compete against each other and have fun. And it was, a, it was a great way to get away from the struggles of, you know, the protocols and the testing and the, the grind of just competing every day against ourselves. And uh, golf was a great way to just kind of let everyone take a deep breath, relax, and have some fun. You know, one of the things that's going to be interesting about this ball club that you're rolling out here on Thursday, which hopefully we're going to air the game here on A's cast because it's a, a day game for the athletics, is your starting rotation. You have a mature starting rotation. I know it's tough to pitch in Vegas. I, you know, it just it, it is what it is. But what do you think about your starters? I, I, I think we have a lot of starters that uh, are, are different. 
um, other than the fact they all throw with their right hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they all have they all have great stuff. They all throw strikes, and they're all true competitors. And I've seen I've seen these guys coming up. I've seen these guys in AAA. I've seen them pitch in the big leagues. And to a man, they they are going to feed off of each other. And the fact that you know they're not going to give up the the three run home runs that they're walking two guys. They're gonna they're gonna attack hitters. And most of the starters have played here in Vegas, and they understand that you can really get hurt when you give guys free passes. And if you want to find out how good your stuff is in Las Vegas, you throw quality strikes, and the hitters will tell you how good your stuff is. So I I, I just think that we have five guys that are poised to do that and five guys that could possibly help the major league team if the need arises do you ever get to a point to where you pull a player aside and you say to him you know don't worry about the numbers you're throwing the ball great because i know we've talked to david force before saying you just can't judge the a guy on his numbers down there because it's such an offensive game and of course we all know about the juice baseball that's been used. So do you ever pull a guy aside and talk to him about that? Absolutely. And I think sometimes the guys only look at their numbers, and even if they feel great with how the ball's coming out of their hand and their stuff and their velocity, if they're not getting success numbers-wise, then they start to get beat down with their confidence. And you have to have another perspective of someone that's looking at things differently and tell them, hey, you're throwing the ball well. You, you just need to keep doing it, and the law of averages will get, will get your numbers better. And you can't let the, the atmosphere, the environment, dictate how you throw. You have, to, you have to be yourself. You have to throw quality strikes. You have to mix and match and change speeds. And if you do that effectively, you're going to have success. And it doesn't matter if it's Las Vegas. It doesn't matter if it's Oakland. A good pitch is still a good pitch. And sometimes, you know, when, when – Pitchers are so, you know, involved with just results, they can't see the forest through the trees, and therefore bad outings start to pile up on them. So I think the sooner you can get somebody back to where they feel comfortable and confident going out there, where they're not so results-oriented, they're just competing against the hitter, which is the, obviously the key to, to great pitching, then the sooner they're going to have that success. How important is it to have great communication amongst all the skippers in the organization with Bob Melvin, with the front office and David's, David Force, to where you guys are all talking to each other about guys who are coming up to AAA or you may be getting a guy from AA or A-ball? How big is the communication? Hey, I mean, it's huge. You know, I, I text quite a bit with, with, with Bo Mel and uh, you know, I just had just FaceTime with Bobby Crosby, who's about to manage his first game in, in about an hour in, in uh, Frisco and double A. And you, you develop relationships with these other managers and coaches throughout the organization and the minor leagues and the major leagues. And, you know, we're all there for the same reason. We, we all want success at the major league level. We all want to get the players in the minor leagues better so they can go up and, and produce and, and be great major league players. And communication is a big part of that. And just simply talking about movement and, and what player is coming to your ball club and things that he may be working on, it just makes everything kind of flow from the top down or the, you know, the lower levels up so that everyone's on the same page and a player can go from one level to the next and still work on the same things and still get better on a daily basis and still do the things he needs to do to become a productive major leaguer. Let's end on this. I don't think people really understand how Vegas has just 
exploded with sports from the Knights in the NHL, now the Raiders with the NFL and your guys' popularity. I just talk about how Vegas, which, you know, people never thought about Vegas as a sports town, but it has now become a great sports town. You know, it really has. And it, it's not even a, a sleeper great sports town anymore. It is a legitimate wonderful sports town you know you have the Raiders that just moved here you have the, the Golden Knights who as an expansion team three years ago made it to the, the Stanley Cup finals and this year they're again in first place and the the support that they get you have the Aviators who uh, you know broke attendance records and in, in the PCL in 2019 and just the the atmosphere in Las Vegas with with all the different sports is so it's electric that it's a it's a really fun place to be and a really fun thing to be a part of well it's going to be great to have you guys back i'm so happy for you guys you know be well and be safe down there in vegas and let's talk soon i appreciate it thank you our next guest is a three-time world series champion he is a world series mvp he is a two-time american league championship series mvp he's an all-star he's led the american leagues and wins He's pitched a no-hitter, and he's in the Athletics Hall of Fame. I think you know who we're talking about. Truly one of the greatest big-game pitchers of all time, the great Dave Stewart. Our next guest here on A's Cast Live is an absolute A's legend. He's a three-time World Series champion. He's a World Series MVP, two-time ALCS MVP, led the American League in wins. He's in the A's Hall of Fame. He's an all-star and, of course, won the Roberto Clemente Award. And he's now a TV star. Dave Stewart with us. Stu, how are you? I'm doing absolutely outstanding. How about you? Uh, well, with the A's winning, I think from our standpoint here on A's Cast Live and your standpoint on NBC Sports California, we've had a lot more to talk about. Makes it better than it was that first six games, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I, and I remember watching you and, and you're talking about you got to have patience, but, you know, the fans were ready to jump off the cliff after those first six games. Well, you know what? They, they've notoriously shown that the beginning of the season is not their best time of the season with the exception actually of last year, they got out of the gate pretty good in that, in the shortened season. But I mean, they just have not been notorious for starting off quickly. And so you got to give them a little time and let, and, and, and nothing's happening in this season that hasn't happened in seasons before bits and pieces are coming together slowly. And before it all starts to gel and, and then they're really going to take off. And the bullpen Stu has just been locked down and phenomenal. What are you seeing with this bullpen? Well, guys are starting to get comfortable in their roles. When that phone rings, they know who or they have just about as good an idea as, as you can of who's going to be coming into the game at that time. Uh, and so it helps them to mentally prepare themselves and get ready uh, to go in the baseball game and face the hitter that they're going to be facing. You know, knowing your role down there is, is so important for, for those relievers. Yeah, no doubt. And take us through what that's like as a pitching coach when you have this bullpen and you know who's hot, who's not, and you don't want to just run the same guys out there because you don't want to burn them out early. Well, you don't. But but as a, you know, the manager uh, is always going to have guys that he absolutely will only pitch in a positive role. 
Um, those are the guys that pitch when the game is tied or when the game is ahead. Then you've got your guys that, that pitch in, in, in not such, not as big a pressure roles, guys that will pitch probably one run down or when, or when the, or when the team is behind. Um, and, and quite frankly, that, that usually works out well, unless you're on a tremendous losing streak, then everybody's pitching in negative roles. But, Usually it works out good that you've got your negative role guys, you've got your positive role guys, and you've got your closer, you've got your, your setup. Those situations usually end up being exactly as uh, you want them to be. You know, right now Bob Melvin and Marcus Simeon are on the field having a chat. Uh, what was it like for you to come back as a Toronto Blue Jay to Oakland? You know, um, I don't remember – when I came back to Oakland, I can tell you what, they didn't give me the greeting that they gave Marcus Simeon last <laughs> night, that's for sure. <laughs> now, I do remember, but I do remember facing the A's in Toronto, and I believe the first time I faced them was in Toronto, and that was a, that was a strange feeling to have to face McGuire um, and some of the guys that I had played with and now to have them on the other side of the fence and, and, and have to compete against them, it was a really, really strange feeling. Like, obviously you have your own scouting report on them. How, how did you do against the A's? I was successful against them. Uh, I remember the game in Toronto. I was successful against them. Uh, what's crazy is they – my pitching style – um, didn't change very much. And those guys knew exactly how I was going to come after them. And um, I did, I, I pitched well against them in Toronto. You know, a lot of people, I don't think remember you as a Toronto Blue Jay, but obviously you won a world series there and you played on some great, great Blue Jay teams. I did, um, you know, playing with, uh, the, you know, the first name that comes to mind is Joe Carter. Um, that was the year that they were one, two, and three in the American League batting title with Al Olrud, Alomar, and Molitor um, being one, two, and three in the batting title in the American League. Um, Devon White uh, was my center fielder. I mean, I had played with some really, really good players on that team. Jack Morse was in the starting rotation. Pat Hinkin was a young, young pitcher who eventually went on to win a Cy Young. Todd Stottlemyre, Juan Guzman. Um, we had Tom Henke uh, on the back end with Dwayne Ward, uh, which both of those guys ended up being closers at the major league level. So we really had a, a, a really, really good team. And you, know, you can't forget Cito Gaston, the manager of that team, uh, one of the best managers and who could possibly end up being a Hall of Fame manager. You know, I think about the Toronto Blue Jays now, Stu. I mean, just how crazy is it to think they're going to be going on two years and they haven't been in Toronto. I mean, they, they were in Buffalo last year. Now they're at their spring training facility in Florida. And Dan Shulman, their longtime play-by-play -play man, told us yesterday that soon they're going to be leaving their spring training site and they're going back to Buffalo. I mean, they've just been on this road odyssey and they've had success and they got, they got some great young talent. But just how tough is that when you really don't have a home? Well, it's really difficult for the players um, and their families. Uh, without a doubt, uh, not having a home, uh, not knowing when you're going to actually play in Toronto. Um, as you know, their, their, their uh, COVID protocol has been really strict up there. And so they're not allowing people into the country. <clears throat> um, 
And so that's uh, that's been, been real difficult. And like I said, for the players and their families, um, at one point you're in spring training and, and now you're opening your season there. And then to be told that, hey, we're going to play X amount of days here and then we're going up to Buffalo and that's going to be our home. And probably at some point they will get the opportunity to play in Toronto. But I really think that it's extremely difficult on, on family life. You know, our first month of the season's in the books and already the talk about how strikeouts are at a record level. Um, the baseball we're finding out is different, seems a little bit higher. Uh, they're getting more spin rate uh, on fastballs and breaking balls. Uh, what are you seeing with today's game and the strikeouts just way out of control? Uh, I mean, the strikeouts are out of control um, because, one, I mean, we're, we're, when you're talking about launch angle, um, I'm not sure that the players are really grasping what that is about. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, since that term has come in the game, strikeouts have gone up. So what, what basically is happening is the, the hitters, where, they're, where their launch angle or their swing is in a more upward type swing, pitchers are being taught to pitch in that, I guess what you would call it, that gap or that opening in their swing, um, which creates a situation where they're swinging through the ball. And so, um, you know, the analytics, the scientifics of the game um, have just created a, 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 it's really created a poor situation offensively. Yeah. How, how much when you were the general manager of the D-backs did you look at analytics to build, to build your team? I looked at it a little bit. Um, the D-backs were a little bit behind. Uh, when it came to analytics, and believe it or not, I'm a guy who everyone said didn't believe in analytics. Um, I started the first portion of their analytical program when I got there. They didn't have one before I got there. So my first year, we were just looking at slips of paper that were, were basically being generated by a, by a group of four. Uh, most people's analytics departments are 24. <clears throat> um, so um, I did use some of the information um, that was given to us, but um, still had to rely heavily on my my pro scouts and uh, my advanced scouting. You know, when I, I think about lack of offense, and we need to get more balls in play, and one of the things we've talked about, is the shift good or is the shift bad for baseball? First, as a pitcher, would you have liked to have the shift behind you as you pitched? Uh, I personally, no. I don't have an appreciation for the shift. Um, I, I think it's tough enough to pitch out there um, than to have to pitch in situations where um, balls that would normally be outs and you don't have anybody positioned there to get them. Now, I guess baseball will say that a lot of outs are being taken, um, but uh, I, I'd much rather take my chances with traditional, uh, with traditional fielding and uh, see how that works. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a traditional guy and, and really believe that your infielders should be where they are, um, that the outs are just tough to come by, and, and you'd hate for a mistake out uh, to cause you a baseball game. You know, is it just, I mean, you, you being an agent, is it just we're at a point that 
Guys who hit home runs get paid. So as long as home runs pay, we're not going to see guys trying to beat the shift. We're not going to see guys trying to bunt because you don't you, you don't make money that way. Well, I think what you're going to see. I mean, people say home runs pay, pay, but um, I had a I had a client, uh, Chris Carter, um, who uh, one year hit 40 home runs, drove in 110. He hit uh, 220 and struck out almost 200 times. And the next year he was a free agent. He was not re he was not re-signed. His his, uh, his contract was non-tender. So I, I think that there is something to be said about hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Um, but I do believe that there's also something to be said about hitting the ball out of the ballpark, driving in runs, and hitting for an average. You know, Tony LaRusso always talked about winning series. If you win every series, you end up winning the World Series. But just talk about how that truly is important because – we're in a situation now where teams win their division winning 107, 106 games. And to get to that point, Stu, don't you have to be consistent throughout the entire year? Well, we played on – I played on a couple of teams that we won over 100 games. And I got to tell you what, it's a good feeling to know that you're going to go on and you're going to win two out of three in, in just about every series that you play in. And that's a great feeling and, and – Quite frankly, it is pretty much a confirmation that you're going to make the playoffs. And whatever happens once you get in the playoffs happens. Obviously, the best team doesn't always win in the playoffs or in the World Series because we lost to the Dodgers, that's for sure. And they beat us. They beat us soundly. But I really felt that even today we were the better team. Let's end on this. I mean, you've had a remarkable career. You've been around so many great people. I mean, uh, in the past, your your Sandy Koufax story is always awesome. But other be other than being a player, what's been your favorite thing you've done in the game outside outside of being a player? Uh, I would say, without a doubt, uh, um, you know, I was a minor league director for the Toronto Blue Jays, and when I was the minor league director for the minor for the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, you know, I was fortunate. I, I had. Uh, Roy Halladay was one of the players that I had an opportunity to help develop. Orlando Hudson, at the time I was in the minor leagues uh, with those guys, with a third baseman that I shifted over to second base, and he became an all-star second baseman. Uh, 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 Josh Phelps, who eventually got some major league time, was was one of my was one of my catchers. Jason Worth, um, I was able to convince Gord Ash, our general manager, to make a trade for him. Uh, when he was in, in a ball um, and uh, because we had such depth uh, in, in, in our catching, um, I was able to, to platoon him some at first, some behind the plate and eventually moved him to the outfield. He becomes a, a, a major league all-star outfielder. So, you know, helping players develop, helping them accomplish their dreams and become major leaguers um, have an impact on how they think about the game, how they play the game. Um, has by far been next to playing um, one of the best experiences I've ever had. Well, you know, it's always an honor to have you on the program. A's fans love you. Thank you so much for the time and have a great broadcast tonight. Thank you so much for having me on. And joining Dave today is a guy who's also on NBC Sports California doing A's pre and post game live. Our good friend and truly one of the great scouts in all of baseball and the guy's suit game on television, unbeatable. Here is Shooty Babbitt. I told Commander Cody, I need the best scout 
in the business, and we've got the best scout in the business. Shooty, how are you? County, I am fantastic. I'm not worthy of complaining. Baseball is in full gear, man, and I'm just taking it on like a full plate of soul food, bro. You know, how nice is that? Because I know you're out on the road. How nice is it in other parts of the country? Baseball is full go. Well, everybody's got restrictions. Everybody's got guidelines. And I think by traveling to other places, one thing that I've been able to find that, you know, people are being able to stay open and do the things that they need to do because they are abiding by the rules and the regulations. And I just like to pat everybody on the back and commend everybody in the state of California because, what I saw on the news today is that uh, we are the top state in the country with lower COVID cases and cases continuing to decline. So that's just a, a reflection of people paying attention and, and trying to get this stuff in order, man. You know, there were people in our business who were talking about how you don't need scouts, just have somebody go videotape a guy and then send the video back to the front office and then they'll evaluate it in their offices. And I'm like, you got to be out there. You got to see a guy. You got to know what he's about. You got to talk to him, talk to the parents. You, you know, you, you, you got to put your own eyes and feel and see how the guy reacts to good things, to bad things. Just talk about how important it is in scouting, in baseball, that you got to be present and you got to be there. I think in everything you do in life, if you can be present, you can feel it, you can smell it, you can see it. You can understand it. You can have a better appreciation for it. I can recall when my sons were being recruited to college, and we were looking at some of them online, and it looked beautiful. We did the resumes. We talked to some of the coaches. They were immaculate. People you talked to, they gave them high praise. But once we went to the school to talk to the coaches and got an understand to really understand the guys and see the school and how beautiful it really is, it was like merely just putting the icing on the cake. And I, I, I see analytics is the same thing. You know, we're going out there on my gut. You know, there are days I go out for six days and I watch a team for six days. I watch players. Some get more bats than the others. Some pitchers' stuff is better than the other guys' stuff on that particular day. And you've got to make a decision. But sometimes you don't get a great look. Sometimes you need some uh, history with these guys to kind of verify what you saw or what you may not have. And I think analytics play a big part in that. But predicting what's going to happen tomorrow because of what happened yesterday, that's the toughest part for me because I know as a former player, I know as a human being, man, I felt pretty good yesterday, but I felt a lot better the day before than I feel today. And that's just the way it is as a ball player, man. I, I know there's times that you go out and hit it on the button and you get nothing. And then there are days you go out and you feel like you have four bats and you bloop one in. And next thing you know, you hit one and the guy slips and you get two. You know, it's just – it's just the way that the game is, and you just can't predict the outcome of what a player is going to do in the future. That's just my opinion. Well, it was a story, I want to say, two or three years ago, ESPN had the story about how many scouts did not want to go to New Jersey and check out this young kid named Mike Trout. Farhan Zaidi even talked about how him and Billy Bean, it was like a bad weather day, they end up not going. I mean, think about that. This guy is arguably one of the greatest players of all time when it's going to be, you know, at the end of his career. And there were scouts that just didn't want to go to Millview, New Jersey, and check this kid out. The what, one thing that I'm not going to do is sit up here and sound like a sour grape or an old guy that's past his prime because I know innovation, you've got to embrace it. Uh, technology, you've got to embrace it. But I recall when I was the area scout and a national cross-checker, 
And what was the great thing about beating other organizations were going to games where other guys wouldn't go. A lot of times you see scouts following other scouts and cars going to the same games. But those scouts that wanted to go to that game, that might have been an extra hour drive that nobody was talking about, but you had that gut feel about because you saw him do something that you knew that possibly could play at the pro level. And if you're dreaming, if it all comes right, he may get to the big leagues. Those are the great signs. Those are the guys that go out and do the extra work and find the guys that guys just sit back and wait for everybody else to clear the space and appear uh, uh, a, a bunch of information and then base your uh, selection on that. And I was so blessed to come up with John Sherholz and Chuck Lamar with the Atlanta Braves to learn how to scout, you know, because they believe in scouting and player development. The guys there were in charge. Pete Snyder was in charge of both scouting and player development. You know, we'd have meetings. We'd go down to Florida. We'd have a softball game. And it would be player development against scouts. And I can remember the front of those T-shirts that said, who signed those guys? And on the back it said, well, they could play when we sent them out there. That's just the way that it was. And that's just how tight of a group we are. But we knew how important both were, man. So uh, everybody had their own way of doing things because everybody has a different op- economic op- opportunity. You just have to praise the guys that, you know, get every buck for their nickel, if you will, by doing the extra thing. You know, we just had Cole Irvin on, and he's had such a great start, and he's 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 earned his spot in the rotation, no question about it. And I talked to him about, you know, he's been with different organizations, but the one thing that y- you understand when you get here, that the Oakland A's are a pitching organization. And he talked about how it's different than other organizations he's been around, and he says that they're always talking pitching here. Everybody's always trying to get better. Speak to that, Shooty, because you've been around this organization for a long, long time. I've always said it's the land of opportunity. And if they choose you, it believes it's because they believe in something about you. And if you go out there and you do it, you step up your game. You know, the one thing that I heard – Cole Irving say in the post game, uh, I think it was two starts ago. One of the most impressive things, or what touched me the most, is that I've got a big chip on my shoulder, and I'm gonna walk around it for the rest of my big league career because there's a lot of people that I want to prove wrong because of the fact that the A's gave me an opportunity, and now I'm proving them right. So you're exactly right. This is the way that they do things. Uh, it's always been a strength. I mean, if you got good pitching, you got a chance to win. If you got a whole lot of pitching, you can go out and acquire a player. So why not be strong in, in, in pitching? And you've got to tip your hand. I mean, the, the Gil Pattersons of the world, the guys that have been here for years. I mean, we've had some great – Ron Romantic, we've had some great pitching guys in our development. Keith Lipman is a 50-year guy in this organization, and it, it, they put their imprint on this organization. And it, it, it's like for me, man, I feel like I'm the poster child of the Oakland A's. I know it, nobody else has said or believed it, but – here, I'm a guy that don't have a bunch of numbers. I've been a part of this organization for 43 years. When I was out of a job, they brought me home, and they let me be me and told me that you should have been here a long time ago. That makes me feel great. And it lets you know that you just go out and do your job, be the best person that you can be, and represent baseball the way that you're supposed to. You never know what might happen, man. So it is an honor and a privilege and a blessing to be a part of something that people are going to their people here, even though there's just bad things happened last year. And I know it's out of their control, but that's just how it is, you know, worldwide, man. But me speaking personally, you know, you, and I've been with organizations like the Braves, the New York Mets, the Arizona Diamondbacks, where I went to World Series with all of these clubs, man. 
And I put these guys second and none of those guys by the way that they do business. You know, and I, and I think about the draft. The draft is so hard, right? There's so many kids that you draft, they'll never make it to the big leagues. But I, I, I think one of the real strengths that the A's have and their front office has and the scouts have is looking at other, other teams in the minor leagues, other teams' players, and identifying good players who would make – make quality Oakland athletics. Just talk about how the strength of this team and, and is looking at other teams and their rosters and finding talent. Well, I don't know if you read the transaction on how we acquired uh, Cole, but it was by cash. Again, this is by a team that felt that they had plenty, and you have to give credit to our scouting organization. I mean, you go out and you identify players that people may minimize their value, and that's what analytic analytics do come into play you know it helps you uh uncover some of the value that other people may not see and when you're a team that doesn't have the type of coin that a lot of these big markets do you just can't go out and spend money for the sake of spending money you just can't go out and make a move just because everybody thinks that you have to make a move one thing that you have to give these guys credit is that everything is done by calculation there's a whole lot of thought a whole lot of work that goes in Man, when I hit the road and I'm in the bushes, man, I'm not out there looking for nuts. I'm looking for ball players, bro. And that's what my job is. So when scouts are out on the road for those 20-something days and you run into them at the Coliseum and they look a little dusty, man, it ain't like they just been sitting up there eating popcorn and, uh, and eating hot dogs, man. These dudes are grinding. They're out there looking for that nugget. Even though they may not get the credit for finding that guy because it's an organizational choice, you know, I commend those guys because I know the difficult choices and all the sacrifices that goes in to finding those nuggets. Man, you're talking about being in the bushes, and you're staying at the Four Seasons. You're 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 at Ritz Carlton's. Come on, man, you're staying by the pool. You're living the dream. Yeah, but when I'm at home, I'm sleeping in my comfortable, beautiful <laughs> nest bedding that my boy Joe Alexander put together with the pillows to match. And it's like sleeping on Mars somewhere, man. So, oh, yeah, as long as I got a bed and a clean shower, man, I'm going to be cool. But it ain't no place like home, bro. <laughs> so so the, a, the Rays are in town. And, Shooty, they use more relievers than anybody else. They, they, they were really the first team that was all in on shifts four-man outfields. I mean, they have always been trying to change what you think is normal. Talk about what the Rays do with their personnel. Well, I mean, I think that they were the ones that started that opener stuff. And I think uh, it was out of the ordinary. It was against what everybody else does. But you've got to go with your strength. You know, I think that's why some teams have advantages and some teams have disadvantages. A lot of teams like to mirror that what other teams do, but you have to have the personnel to be able to do it. So that's like when scouting. You know, you go and look at a player. You know, organizations always know their players better than you do. No matter what you think your evaluation is, they've been with these guys. They know. And Tampa Bay, once again, you got to give these guys credit. I mean, this is a place that nobody wants to go. They don't have fans in the stands, but they're continually to go out and compete uh, they are our nemesis over the past few years. That's why I'm loving this series here because the type of season that we've had thus far, playing a World Series champion, playing a World Series contender, playing playoff teams, then go and play teams that you should beat, then play teams that you're equal with and you go head-to-head, then you finish up with Toronto here where I feel that was pretty much uh, 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 an even match there because you split the series and you got two teams 
a team that's coming and a team that's been there and understand it and the clash heads in the way that they did. I'm looking forward to see which one of these teams is going to end up on top in the American League. Let's end on this. So Cody and I yesterday went to the San Jose Giants game. They're taking on the Fresno Grizzlies, the Colorado Rockies uh, affiliate. And it was just just so nice to see minor league baseball. I feel so bad for these guys who didn't get to play for 18 months, but they're finally getting their their dream back and they're getting their careers back, and I'm so happy for them. We're going to have a small sample size before the trading deadline gets here. How do you think these players not playing for a long time and just getting back into it, how do you think that will affect the trading deadline? Man, everything is the unknown, County. And I know I'm considered the expert here, and I appreciate that. But the one thing that I don't like to do is put my feet in waters that I've never been in and not knowing what's in there. These guys are suffering. Everybody is suffering. I truly believe that big leaguers needed probably another start and a half, hitters 20, 25 more at bats because of the lack of opportunity they got because of so many guys in camp. But how could you neglect? How could you not have those guys in camp when they've been sitting at home, not doing anything, they're professionals, uh, it, you know, we live in a world that a lot of people said that, you know, a lot of people feel like they just deserve everything. Like it's just things are supposed to be given to you. A lot of times it's good when things have been taken away from us because it gives us the opportunity to feel and understand what we really had or what we really have. And we value it even more. And when we get a chance to wrap our arms around it again, we're going to do everything that we can not to let it go. Um, high school kids, uh, high school seniors, college seniors, kids who've lost their livelihood and never get a chance to play another game. These kids have one more chance. Organizations still have trades to make and players to identify. So it's going to be interesting, just like everything else. I think the people that outwork the other people are the people going to get the biggest reward. Well, I got to tell you, I, I know you're on the road and you're working hard. So for you to come on the show, it means a lot to me. You be well and you be safe. And I can't wait to see you back here at the Coliseum. For you to keep asking me to be on the show, that means a whole lot to me, Chris Townie. And it's always an honor. Uncle Townie, keep doing your thing, man. Let's go, Oakland. Take care, buddy. See you, homie. Take care. We want to thank Fran Reardon, Dave Stewart, and Shooty Babbitt for coming on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.